Today in the Topping Show, Disney CEO Bob Iger says Ron DeSantis is, quote, anti-business and anti-Florida, unquote. L'Oreal to buy ASOP for $2.5 billion. New York Supreme Court finds red flag laws unconstitutional. General Motors overtakes Ford in EV sales. Katy Perry insults a woman for being a mother. Elon changes the Twitter logo. And Trump's judge ends up having a daughter who works for the Biden-Harris campaign. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader, use a little assistance. You can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, jumping into the business part of the podcast, cosmetic company, shampoo company, L'Oreal announced that they will buy ASOP for $2.5 billion. You may know L'Oreal uh, from your childhood as the line company that said they have no tier shampoo, which, spoiler alert, had lots of tears when I tried to use it as a child, which is why I never used them again. Nevertheless, they're the shampoo company that many of us remember some perhaps fondly. Now, Aesop is an Australian luxury skincare brand whose parent company is based in Brazil. That company is Nature, Natura & Co. And it's a fascinating acquisition. Now, Aesop, or Aespan, A-E-S-O-P, they apparently pride themselves as being independent and unique. Granted, they do have a parent company across that's far, pretty far away from where they live. And a lot of people are worried that once the acquisition goes through, there's going to be a decrease in quality, which it's not unfounded when you have a lot of acquisitions throughout history. That is something that a lot of people are concerned with. Now, granted, considering their boutique and their niche is high quality skincare, I would guess the new parent company, L'Oreal, would probably leave them alone, if they're, especially if they're making money. But the thing that a smart business owner that they would most likely do if they're not going to pull it into their traditional portfolio of products is they're going to enable the company to have better purchasing power. For example, a lot of these cosmetics use the same base components. They all have, kind of like basically any cereal or food. A lot of the similar ingredients, just which ones extra make them better and what quantities and proportions of all the materials that go within. Now, when you have a parent company buy you out, one of the nicest things is buying power. So let's say there's a base as a base ingredient for this cosmetic, instead of only having to purchase 10 pounds of that ingredient at X amount of dollars, now you have a parent company that's buying thousands of pounds or 10X multiplier in quantity, thereby, if it's the same actual product or material you're purchasing, you can get it at a lower price per unit because you're getting more of a massive volume order. Now, this is the largest brand acquisition by L'Oreal. Prior to that, L'Oreal's largest acquisition was a couple years back when they purchased YSL Butte, it probably sounds, sounds fancier in another language, but it's B-E-A-U-T-E. -E -E. That was two, 2009 for $1.7 billion. So it'll be interesting to see how that progresses and maybe they'll be able to grow the brand or bring it to the United States. Now, if it's not already here. Now, General Motors is overtaking Ford in EV sales. This makes General Motors the second best-selling EV seller, far behind, but still second to Tesla. Now, Specifically, during Q1 2023, General Motors sold 20,670 EV vehicles, and Ford, on the other hand, sold 10,866. Granted, there are a couple of things that allowed this to happen. Most famously, or in the headlines, was the Ford F-150 Lightning. 
some might say ironically named since the batteries burst into flames during testing. But because of those faulty batteries from the supplier that they found out when it was actually just, it wasn't a hazard per se, it happened thankfully in a controlled environment at the Dearborn facility, one of their areas that's for quality control, so it's far away from people. And they had to pause production because they had to work with the battery supplier and see what the heck's going on. We gotta make sure this doesn't happen when it's actually on the streets. So because of that, they shut down the actual production of the F-150 Lightning for months. I believe it was about six weeks in particular. And that's one of the best-selling EV vehicles. So if you can't produce it, that's perhaps also why. Now, another big contributing factor was the Mustang Emoc. That the sale volume of that, and I say Mustang, I always forget I need to do Mustang in quotes, because it's like the unwanted cousin of the Mustang family. It's it is not the Mustang you and I know that has the glorious V8 engine and a stick shift as muscle cars should. The traditional pony vehicle. This is a weird SUV, but the name was so popular and their strongest brand, they had to use it, some say, for brand recognition. Regardless, the production volume of that particular sale, that car went down by 19.7%. Now, many of them credit that because they are retooling the, the manufacturing plant in Mexico, which makes sense. If you think about any production, whether it's laptops, yet, you know, shoot, a tumbler, the things that actually put them together are massive giant machines the size of sometimes Volkswagens or, in this case, you know, buildings. Now, it's one of those situations where if you're retooling and you're shutting that down, it means you can't make anything or you're very, very limited in that capacity. Ford did say that once this is completely done in the retooling, they're going to have production capacity of 210,000 units. So that's going to be the capacity of that. Now, going on to the actual EV production for all the top five, kind of shows you the delta or the difference which is quite staggering between the tesla and all the other traditional automobile companies who are retooling as I just said so they're going to increase the volume but tesla still has a great lead and tesla has those gigafactories which famously have the gigapress which is an engineering feat in and of itself where they use unprecedented capabilities to stamp out these large pieces of automotive material which no one else could before now q1 Tesla delivered one or produced 161,630. So again, Q1, you had Tesla at 161,630 EV units, GM at 20,670. Third place is Hyundai Kia, which same company, that's 14,703. Right behind them is Volkswagen with 14,190. And then you have Ford at 10,866. So while it is impressive that GM was able to overtake Ford, it'll be interesting to see how long they can keep that crown, so to say, as Ford completes the retooling, so they can get back to 100% manufacturing. And it'll be interesting to see as Tesla's building more and more gigafactories, how long will they be able to keep the pseudo-dominance monopoly of the EV technology for how long and if the traditional automotive companies could catch up. Now. Other interesting business news, which I find especially fascinating because it combines many of my most, not coveted, but things that I found especially interesting. So you have politics, business, culture, all coming together, particularly in this instance. So Disney CEO Bob Iger says that Governor Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is quote unquote anti-business and anti-Florida. And I'm mainly putting this into the business section because Bob Iger's job should be business related, not politics. Now. Wind back the clock a couple months back, Bob Iger was a CEO, 
he was replaced by some other Bob. I forget the other Bob's name. But Bob Iger was brought back to Disney, and many of the shareholders and many folks were telling him, we want you to be less involved in politics. We want Disney to shut up and make content, rudimentarily speaking. Because Disney, they decided to make a cognitive, they cognitively decided they were going to get involved in politics, thereby threatening their tax breaks and other business incentives that the state of Florida has given them over the years, which famously has one of their theme parks. Now, he literally, Bob Iger Iger even said last year he wanted to quote unquote, quiet things down in regard to, unquote, in regard to Disney's political war with Ron, Ron DeSantis. Now, Ron DeSantis recently said he's going to investigate the Disney's theme park, quote unquote, sidestep of state oversight. And this all started when Ron DeSantis passed a, in the, Florida, they passed a bill, which some pejoratively called it the don't gay, don't say gay bill, which like many political attacks or political categorizations had nothing to do with the actual bill or was highly mis, more accurately is highly misrepresentative, misrepresenting the actual bill. So if you actually read the bill, which very few people do, and I always tell people when you hear something sensationalized, read beyond the headline and see what the actual context is because sometimes you'll be starkly, you'll be going to be surprised. Now, the actual bill, when it was passed, the bill said that teachers and schools could not talk about certain sexual topics to kids from grades K through three and only talk about things that would be age appropriate. Now, I don't see how on the, how on earth that is a controversial thing that would by any means divide political lines, but it turned out to be a huge political magnet. And Disney decided to say, we want to push against this bill. So they want to teachers from kindergarten to third grade to talk about sexual themes. It didn't say anything about sexual, which sexual themes or orientations. It just said sexual themes in general. So this is both by no means an anti-straight or anti-gay. It wasn't it wasn't a specific sexual orientation bill. It just said those topics are not appropriate for kids because guess what? They aren't. And everyone freaked out. It was ridiculous. So Disney chose to throw their hat in the ring and they said that they would help legally fight the bill. And Disney has operated independently for years. It's had an agreement with Walt Disney for the longest time to work out of the state of Florida and they're being... Ron Santos wants to make sure they're treated like any other company without special interest. And some of the articles, if you read about this issue, they say that Florida, Disney is Florida's largest employer and largest taxpayer. I don't know where they get those stats in terms of, again, always measure the quantities and quantify statements. So I did look into it. They are the largest employer by headcount in Orlando in particular, because that's where the theme park is, which I was shocked. They had 58,478 employees last stat I was able to find which is an astonishing amount of employees, although they're actually not known as employees. They call them castmates, or they're part of the cast. I forget the funny Hollywood Hollywood euphemism they use, but they don't call them employees. They're staffmates, actor, not actors. Someone in the comments, please correct me on that. It's escaping me at the moment, and I do read all the comments. It's one of those weird, fascinating things where it's much more of a culture thing. It's not a traditional employee term. Now, I'm unsure they might very well be the largest corporate taxpayer, but at the same time, they get a lot of tax breaks. 
And again, why get involved in this is beyond me. And this is one of those pivotal moments when Disney alienated basically half of their audience because for some reason, I don't know why this political, this particular political bill, it divided completely in half. You have people on the left who say, we want teachers to have the ability to talk to kids about sexual themes and sexual ideas. And they have the other side, Republicans saying that's not appropriate for our schools. I don't know why this isn't a middle of the road issue that both parties could come together and go, yeah, let's not indoctrinate kids or tell kids about these things. Let's not, let them be kids. There's such thing as a child's innocence, which used to be a thing back in the day. And now Ron DeSantis recently, he said that he's going to de determine if the state's inspector general, uh, I apologize. He wanted, to, he wanted to have the state inspector general determine if Disney execs were involved in the power play that essentially nullified any influence a DeSantis picked board would have on the future of the theme park for decades. So Disney continues to insert themselves in these political moments. And to say he's anti-business and anti-Florida is beyond foolish because they're going to get less tax breaks inherently. And the state of Florida can operate just fine without them. They're a huge tourist attraction. But that being said, the cost to relocate all those physical assets would be beyond astronomical. You're talking about a business plan that might take a decade or more with all the infrastructure they have in place. When you think about the roller coasters, the theme parks, all the actual furniture, the hard, hard assets on the ground, it, to relocate would be prohibitively expensive. So at most they could shut it down completely, take a huge loss and then build another theme parks in another state. Although I don't think they'd want to do that because Florida is a destination state. People go there for vacation. So Disney might choose something more in the central U.S. Like, but even the central, the best hub that I could think of might be like Dallas-Fort Worth because a lot of businesses are setting up headquarters there or maybe Austin. But it's one of those things where I think it's very unlikely Disney is going to make any real relocation threats or plans. But yeah, most CEOs, I always say, your job is to make as many shareholders and many employees as happy as possible, further alienating your base, as well as insulting someone who is in charge of the state you operated in, might not be a prudent decision. And again, he was brought in to try to minimize their political activity and bring back normalcy, which similar to politics, that's why a lot of people say Trump lost the last election. People wanted normalcy. And that's what the that's what the stock market wants. That's what shoot. That's what a lot of people want in life. Just bring stability for businesses, for cultures. A lot less headaches. Now, going on to the culture section of the podcast, Katy Perry, who I did some research. She apparently is a musician, allegedly. She has some songs. I don't think she writes, but she does. Maybe. Allegedly, she's a pop culture influencer singer now she's insulted a christian mom on american idol and the american idol's contestant was sarah beth and she actually quit after her audition sarah noted that quote this is actually going to be my last performance because my heart's at home so i'm going to go home to my babies they kind of they kind of need me unquote and interestingly enough she was actually scouted for the show she didn't actually go out to audition like many other people have and when she Sarah announced that she was going to go. Katy Perry responded saying, 
And this is Katy Perry saying, quote, I know life is scary. I also know it's easier to walk away than to be rejected. But self-love is just as big as motherly love. Don't leave the competition. Which, there's nothing more morally vacuous, lazy, or disgusting than the term self-love. It's one of those overrated, selfish things I hear in our generation in these days. And the purpose of a mom is to raise, nurture, protect her children. You should not bash her or insult her by making a decision that goes directly into her call of duty. I was going to say, it's not pun intended, but that video game really has lost all meaning with that term by Activision, the call of duty. But now, Katy Perry continued to saying, quote, you've opened a door and that you've opened a door you thought you'd never open and you got a yes. You may not get another yes in the future. Do not give up. Now, is interesting enough, Katy Perry, as if she wasn't, uh, not losing the moral high ground, but as if she's not ignorant or insulting enough, it gets more interesting. I would say worse. Now, during Sarah's original audition, Sarah Beth surprised the judges by saying she was a, she was 20 years, 25 years old and mother of four. Which, I don't know how that's normal. I don't know how that's a surprise. Granted, maybe it's the judges being from certain political aisle or geography, but traditionally, you get married in high school, you have kids, live long, prosper. And, damn, damn that Star Trek, all the subliminal messages stay with you long term. I've seen the movie, I think, once. But they like they looked at her like she was an alien. Like, how could you possibly have kids and be 20, so young? I mean, 25 is, if you look at the historicals of when people have kids, 25 is the norm or a little bit older than throughout history especially in the United States. So it's not unusual to have a blessing and have four kids by the time you're 25, 25. That's great. Kids take a lot of energy. It's good to have them young, especially it's better for your body. It makes sense. Now, Katy Perry's response to that statement was she actually pretended to be shocked and she pretended like she was about to faint, which drama, ridiculous. Now, Maybe she's trying to be funny. She's not a comedian by any means, Katy Perry. Now, Sarah's response to Katy Perry, like laying, you know, feigning, was if Katy lays on the table, I think I'm going to pass out. And Katy Perry responded saying, honey, you've been laying on the table too much. Unquote. Which is pejoratively making fun of her, perhaps conceiving and having children. Now, imagine if a man said that to Sarah. He would be canceled in a New York minute. He would have his social media taken away. He would be ostracized from society. And it's one of the most insulting things you could say. So Katy Perry, who's had a... I think she has a pretty lonely life. I don't even know if she's married. Again, I don't know celebrities that much at all. But to insult her further for just being a mom and fulfilling one of the best things you can fulfill in life? That's ridiculous. So thankfully, there is actually some people noticing how morally vacuous these statements are and actually chastising Katy Perry for being so insensitive to Sarah. Now, yeah, I just, I can't imagine a more disgusting thing to say. And again, it takes courage to be in front of those judges and to be publicly speaking and singing. So to just bury that, to pile on like that, I'm not surprised she doesn't want to compete anymore or go further in the process if she'd been treated with such disdain and utter lack of respect but thankfully there are some people who actually recognize this 
So maybe society isn't that far gone or culture isn't decayed that much because people realize Sarah's in the right, Katie is in the wrong. Similar to your music, mostly in the wrong. I think there's one or two hits. Now, other interesting culture news, Elon Musk has changed the Twitter logo, which is fascinating because one of the most valuable assets to a company that most companies spend millions on, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars on is the design and marketing and advertising of your logo. So for most of my life, as far as I know, the main logo has been the little silhouette, the blue bird. Hence, it makes, makes sense when you send stuff out, it's a tweet. Now, Elon, this is somewhat hilarious. Now, he changed the iconic Twitter blue logo to the, jo the Dogecoin logo, which in the past he support as an alternative to U traditional U.S. currency or fiat currency. So it's very similar to Bitcoin. It was actually made as a joke, but then it increased in value, ironically and hilariously enough. I think he even, even made a joke about people being able to buy Teslas with Dogecoin someday or something like that. So instead of having the little blue silhouette, you actually see that little Shimu dog in the top left corner if you're on Twitter, because that's now the main logo. So he continues to be an entertaining figure, and it's a great way to keep Twitter's name in the news because he's doing something every single day and it's getting more attention on it and for his sake i'm guessing he hopes more and more people sign up and then of course pay for the twitter blue and he continue on that path to someday make it a profitable venture which is a tall order because they've been bleeding money for years now going into the politics section the trump situation continues to evolve in a fascinating ways now a ninth circuit court just awarded Trump $121,962.56 in attorney fees from Stormy Daniels. Now, that is in addition to the half a million dollars she owes him, which who knows if she'll be able to have the capacity to pay him. Now, going on to the actual court trials and proceedings, the judge denied a motion to allow live cameras access to the Trump proceedings in the courtroom. Because, again, I mean, who would want transparency into the biggest case of our lifetime? Who would possibly want to sh show some illumination on that? And, again, it's just one of those ridiculous things where give me the data so I can make up my own mind on all these situations. Give us all the data. There's no reason to censor this. Well, perhaps there is. They just have weak charges. Many are already saying that they do. If they had the charges they were confident, they'd probably advertise a little bit more now. There's also the issue of the judge perhaps being biased more than usual. Now, it's come out that the daughter of the judge, who is trying Donald Trump, worked on the Biden-Harris presidential campaign. And of course, remember, everything you put on the internet is permanent. For better or worse, people are going to find it. Now, this came from development. It was someone searching archived LinkedIn data, and they found that his daughter, Lauren Merchant, was the director of digital persuasion Oh, that's a fancy title if I ever heard one. It is a funny thing about society where you just can't be a sales rep. You have to be an account manager. There are a lot of titles. People love titles. And she worked for them for, for the Kamala Harris campaign. For the, the campaign was called Kamala Harris for the People, which, yeah, she failed that campaign. I don't know how many, in terms of the actual approval ratings, that's not reflective of any good marketing. Now, she worked there from 2009, February 2019 to December 2019, so obviously for the election and the actual parent Biden Harris campaign was a client of hers as well. This is following a report by gateway pundit that her job was listed at that company. And after they reported on her working there, 
she took it down from her LinkedIn page. So if you search for it now, you won't see it. Thankfully, people archive a lot of things on the internet. And even right now, the daughter now works as a president of a company that Biden-Harris campaign has as an ongoing client. And there's a cliche saying like father, like son, like father, like daughter, all those things. You raise your kids a certain way. They carry a lot your ideals. And this one is pretty, pretty politically biased. They're working for one side of the political aisle. So how unbiased is this just going to be? How transparent or how fair is the situation going to be? A lot. Uh, that remains to be seen. Now, other interesting good news, on the other hand, the New York Supreme Court found that red flag law is unconstitutional. Red, fa red flag laws, for people don't know, has to deal with firearm confiscation. And rudimentary speaking, it's one of those situations where it is perhaps the most accurate representation of a witch hunt since the Salem witch trials. And I say that because as many of the red flag laws are written, and again, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, the way their law is written, if you accuse someone saying that they're a threat to others, they're unsafe, the police will immediately take away their guns and then sometimes put them in a mental health facility. And the burden to prove that they are innocent is on them. They are presumed guilty until innocent, which is the opposite of what the founding fathers and every red-blooded American has in mind. You're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. So this takes away due process, disgusting, to say the least. And it's been used as a weapon and as revenge. You've had many instances proven where after a breakup, especially, you have some women who are reporting on their ex-boyfriends, ex-husbands. Police go in there, they confiscate their property without due process or compensation. And they have to go to court and pay for their defense to prove they're innocent. So the negativity far outweighs any positive gains in this case, particularly. Now, the ruling written under Judge Craig Stephen Brown makes it clear that individual civil rights are were being violated, violated under that current law. Now, quote unquote, he said, without the requirement of any input from a medical or mental health expert, the, for, the court is required to make the determination of whether the respondent is likely to engage in behavior that could result in serious harm to himself, herself, and others in section 9.23 of the mental hygiene law. Under mental health hygiene law, a person's liberty rights cannot be curtailed unless a physician opines that a person is suffering from a condition likely to result in serious harm further in order to extend any such curtailment of liberty beyond 48 hours a second doctor's opinion must be obtained and such opinion must be consistent with the first doctor's opinion now he also goes on to say absent from the new york red flag law is any provision whatsoever requiring even a single medical law or sorry single medical or mental health expert expert opinion providing a basis for the order to be issued. New York's red flag law, as it currently written, lacks sufficient statutory guard rails to protect a citizen's Second Amendment constitutional right to bear arms. Now, in other words, the New York legislator, in its unyielding zeal to, dis to disarm as many American citizens as possible, didn't give the slightest thought to the protection of the targeted individual civil rights when they wrote the red flag laws, which, based on the state's historical stance on the Second Amendment is not too surprising, but nevertheless does not make it any more disgusting than it currently was written, which is another reason why a lot of people are against red flag laws. Just like I was saying earlier in this podcast, the title, the idea might sound good, but if you dig into the actual substance and actually read what the process is like, 
you'll find it's morally vacuous and definitely unconstitutional to anyone with a modicum of intelligence. Now, going on to the interesting business blunder of the day, Volkswagen noted, said that they were going to recall about 143 SUVs in the United States. This specifically is due to a faulty sensor on the front passenger side, which under certain conditions can switch the airbag system off. Off. The sensor is called, quote unquote, the passenger occupant detection system. I can't help but think some people get paid by the word or they, everyone wants to, everyone wants to sound a little bit special because that, for that one sensor, I don't know, it just sounds overly written. Now, this is rudimentary speaking. If you remember, if your kid jumps into a passenger vehicle or the passenger seat in the front of a vehicle, you'll see a little button that says on or off for the passenger airbag. And it's usually based on the participant's weight. Because if the person's too young, that means the airbag's going to hit them in a certain way, which actually does more harm than good. So that's why I'll turn it off in many cases. Now, Volkswagen filed with the National Highway Traffic, Traffic Safety Administration, noted that the condition is sporadic, so it's not apparently happening, happening to every single instance. But this is good that they're getting ahead of the situation. And as I'm reading this, and there's no reported fatal accidents or negative consequences physically to participants who have these vehicles yet. So it's good they, they got ahead of the situation. No one's been harmed in any way. But 143,000 recalls of the Atlas SUV, that's, that's certainly business blunder of the day. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. Don't forget to listen next time. You could follow it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the major platforms. Also, don't forget to take time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone to stay safe. Fight the good fight.